0: We welcome uh, those that are watching online, Georgia Witt and Jamie. Jamie was here, was it for Easter she was here? It's good to see her there. And Gary and Mary are out west, or maybe they're driving back, so they're watching. So, And Diane Lauterbach up in Gretna, so um, yeah, she's watching today. Yeah, Diane, we miss you. All right, there we go. Yeah. All right. Alright, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, so we were there last week and we're going to be there again and we're going to kind of start off just with one verse, you, I rarely do that, right? But we're going to we're, we're make up for it and go in other places, but um, some in the gospel, some in the book of Acts. So, um, but we've been in a series in Acts, Luke is the author of the book of Acts, he also writes the gospel of Luke, so he writes the gospel of Luke first, Acts is a follow-up uh, letter that he writes as well to Theophilus, all right? And Acts is all about, Acts one eight. you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And we can still apply that to today where God is t- allowing us by His Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to take the gospel out of, to our hometown, but also to our region, our state, our nation, and the world. Amen? Um. Amen? Amen. There we go. Okay. All right. And some people would argue that the book of Acts is still being written, right? And that God is still equipping his people with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission, right? To go into all the world to make disciples of all nations. So last week we looked at the strategy of the Spirit. So it is a Spirit that sets us apart for ministry. We looked at Paul and Barnabas, how the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to do. And then they placed hands upon them. It was a great message to go from there into our network council this week because it just tied in so well uh, with that. Amen. So that was good. Spirit sets us apart for ministry. He uh, guides us in ministry. So we see that the Holy Spirit kind of guided them where they went. And there's books written on Paul's missionary journey and how did he know to go to these these cities that were kind of commerce cities, and people were coming and going, Ephesus, Corinth. I mean, there were places that were, in a lot of ways, we would consider wicked, all right? I mean, there was just a lot of sin that was there. There was idolatry, right? Ephesus had, uh, you know, just some terrible idolatry there. But God impacted that city so much so that all the sorcerers and all them, they burned their scrolls put the silversmiths out of business, It was threatening to do that. They wanted to kill Paul because of that. So the gospel took such a foothold in Ephesus. It's probably one of the greatest revivals. It's not really, it's there, um, it's there, but you have to kind of read behind the lines a little bit to realize, hey, the gospel made such an inroad there that it was impacting the people that were making the idols and things. And then God guides us in ministry, right? And then he gives us the courage for ministry. So Paul had a pretty intense encounter with the sorcerer. We don't know if it was too much for John Mark or not. We're going to talk about that. Um, but it was pretty intense. You know, you had the sorcerer just come into your face, and Paul just looked right back at him and says, you're of the devil, you're evil. You're going to be blind for a period of time. You're not going to be able to see. And the leader, the governor, accepts Christ. He oversaw this Roman uh, area that the Senate oversaw, this region. State type of deal. He was like the governor, the proconsul. And according to maybe some church history there, just documents that his son and his daughter would be highly involved in the early days of the church there. So this influential person gets saved, and his family would be part of that early church. All right. So that happens, and then we get to chapter 13, verse 13. And so before we read that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and just give us open hearts to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to his church through your word. We give you the thanks. Ask it in your name. Amen. 1313. So they're on this first missionary journey. They go to Cyprus. Um and it's there that they go through the island. They witness to this proconsul who had an open heart. He actually sends for Paul and Bartimaeus to hear what they have to say. Elymas the sorcerer, tries to get in the way and try to de- detour the proconsul from hearing from him. And that's when the interaction happens with Paul. And he's blinded. And with that, the proconsul says, wow, I want to believe in this God that Paul preaches. Wow, well, you know. So they see the supernatural power of God. So from there, they go from Patmos, and Paul and his companions sail to Perga, to Pamphylia, so areas up in that uh, area. You'll have to look at your missionary journeys. You know, um, Chris maybe has a map of it there, but Paul's missionary journeys, they kind of show you all three of them, all right? And then we get to where John, so John Mark, that's him, left them to return to where? Jerusalem. But here's the deal. The trip wasn't done. They had just gotten started. They just kind of had their first leg of their journey, and they get to the next port where there's a, a ship, and John Mark gets on the boat, and he goes back home. Back home, yes. Not much said here. What we do know is you go a couple chapters ahead, and they go on missionary trip two, and Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark, and Paul says, no way is he going on a missionary trip with me. And so they go different ways. Paul and Silas go one way. Barnabas and John Mark go a different way. So what do we know about John Mark? This is a little bit of history, and Chris is going to put up several scriptures. So if you want to jot these down, you can. What we do know is his mother's name was Mary, and she was probably a widow because we hear no reference to uh, Mark's father, John Mark's father, or that Mary had a husband, all right? But we do know she must have lived in a large enough house that it had a large porch and a large room. And it was a gathering place for the early church, all right? And so they didn't have church buildings to meet in. What they did meet in was large homes, okay, people that had a larger home. That was their meeting place. And when Peter is released from prison, so we did that a couple weeks ago, right? The church was praying for him, he gets out of prison, and the first house he goes to is the house of Mary, John Mark's home, right? He goes there, he knocks on the door, and we had that interaction. So that was John Mark's home, and that was Mary's home, his mom's. John Mark probably came from a Hellenistic background, so more of a Greek-Jewish background instead of the Hebrew-Jewish background. And so we preached that message on Acts 7 that talked about that there was a first conflict in the church where the Hellenistic Jewish widows were being overlooked, right? And so then they raised up S- Stephen and, um, and Philip, these men, these seven men, to take care of the needs of these widows, right? It was a great system. So we do know that when Jewish widows... Um, when they became a widow, often they would move to Jerusalem because Jerusalem had a system in place to take care of godly widows. All right? And so that maybe is. It appears that John Mark was raised maybe in Cyprus. That's where he was from because that's where Barnabas is from, the island of Cyprus. But maybe when dad passed away, mom decided to move to Jerusalem just because of what was available in Jerusalem for her. All right? John. He's called John Mark a lot. Sometimes he's called John. Sometimes he's called Mark. But sometimes he's called John Mark. John was his Jewish Hebrew name. All right. Mark was his Roman name. Now, Paul and Silas, right? I mean, Paul and Saul, they're the same person, right? Saul was his Jewish name. Paul would be his Roman name. And so first part of Acts, he's called Saul, right? And then all of a sudden we make a shift actually in this chapter. We shift from him being called Saul to where he's called Paul. And I think it's because he ministered in a Gentile world, in a Roman world, and so he went with his Paul name. Alright? Um, we do know that he was the cousin of jo- uh, Barnabas was the cousin of John Mark, and who was from Cyprus. We see that in Colossians 10.10. Colossians 10.10. Uh, it's just a, a closing there. Not <laughs> 4.10. There we go. Alright. Um, that he was a um, it's just a, a greeting that Paul is including, and he says, and so does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So we know that uh, there was a connection between Barnabas and John Mark, all right? Um, Peter is considered John Mark's spiritual son. I don't know if he knew that or not. So in 1 Peter 5.13, it says, she who is in Babylon, so that at that time Peter is in Rome, so they called Rome Babylon. Uh, chosen with you, sends you her greetings, and so does Mark, John Mark, all right? And what we we do know, uh, so does my son. That's what we want to catch there, my son Mark. So was he the biological son of John Mark? No, but just like Timothy and Titus were spiritual sons for Paul, John Mark was a spiritual son for Peter, and according to church tradition, he is then the author of the Gospel of Mark, John Mark would be. And scholars believe that John Mark was not an eyewitness to a lot of the events in the Gospel, but he got his source was, was Peter. And so he took all the events that Peter remembered and he writes those down, and that becomes the Gospel of Mark. And uh, so it's, uh, it's kind of funny that the only gospel that records this young man running from the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus is betrayed, he runs away with no clothes on, right? They kind of grab for his clothes. He goes and naked as a jaybird, right? We don't know who it is, but it's in Mark's gospel. That's the only one. And the guy is anonymous. So a lot of people feel that it is a reference. Mark is referencing himself there. So um, and then it was actually him. All right. And we see that in Mark fifteen, fourteen, fifty one, and 52. And um, so what we don't know is why did John Mark go back home to Jerusalem, as mentioned in Acts 13, 13? Was he homesick? I think he was maybe a little bit of a mama's boy. I think he came from a well-to-do home, at least if you kind of just make these guesses with a large home, and stuff like that, that maybe they were a a family of some means, all right? Barnabas was his cousin. You know, Barnabas gave that large gift to the church, um, you know. He's the first part of Book of Acts. That's recorded, right? And then Ananias and Sapphira thought that was a good deal, but then they kind of did it deceptively, and it didn't go well for them, right? Okay. So was he homesick? You ever been homesick when you were younger? Maybe he lacked the courage after that intense encounter with the sorcerer on the island of Cyprus. I mean, how, I don't know how that would impact you, right? Jill was saying there's a new movie c- coming out. Insidious. Yeah, so it's based upon a C.S. Lewis book, Screwtape Letters. So I don't know what it's rated. I'll have to check that out. I was going to check into that, wasn't I? Um, but it was an intense so this that is talking about a demon possessed guy and the demon speaking through him so but C.S. Lewis would write that was it too much for him? I don't know. Maybe it was. Was it difficult for him to see Gentiles embracing the gospel message and being saved without following the Jewish customs of maybe like circumcision? That was a tough one for some people, especially for some of those Jewish be- believers. They wanted people to embrace Christ, the Gentiles to embrace Christ, but, you know, with that, well, don't you have to cut your hair? and Don't you have to wear a suit to church? That's not what they're talking about, but that really happened in America, right? After the hippie movement happens and all of them get saved, they start coming to church and they say, you know what, you got long hair. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to cut your hair. You, have to, you can't wear those jeans. You have to be, so in the, in the Jesus Revolution movie, it that comes out, right? That comes out. If you haven't watched that, you can probably get it now on Prime Video or something. You have to watch it, folks. But it happened then, and it was happening back then, too. These Gentiles were coming to know Christ. And so Acts 15, they'll kind of get that hammered out. What's important? What is not important for these Gentile believers? So maybe that was part of it. Uh, maybe maybe pe- uh, Paul's preaching style and just his leadership was totally different than Peter's. You know, John Mark was used to following Peter. Now he's under Paul's ministry. And maybe it just wasn't a good fit for him initially. We, Or maybe it was just a combination of these things. We do not know. All we know is that in Acts 15, 36 through 40, and um, Chris can put that up there, we just know that there's a sharp disagreement. So they say, let's go back. And verse 37 says, um, um, they wanted t- Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And 38 says, Because he had deserted them and had not continued in the work, Paul did not think it was wise. But here's the deal. Verse 39, it was such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Paul. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus. And then verse 40, Paul took Silas and left uh, for what would be called Asia Minor. All right. All we know, so there's a sharp disagreement, but at some point, that relationship is healed and mended, okay. And John, Mark, and Paul—they're reconciled, and Paul will even say he is a help to the ministry. So Colossians four ten, he says, um, "You're instructed and make um, make Mark welcome if he comes your way." Okay, so he speaks positive of John Mark in Colossians chapter four, but Philemon twenty four. So there's no chapter there because it's just one chapter, all right? And he mentions, he says, and my co-workers, and Mark is listed there as well as Luke. But Second Timothy 4.11, this is, would be one of Paul's last letters that he would write before he would leave this earth. He says, only Luke is with me. Bring John Mark with you when you come, for he will be what? Helpful to me in my ministry. So something the relationship had been healed. And so what are some top takeaways from the life of John Mark? Uh, it, to me, he's a very intriguing thing. We have to kind of fill in some of the blanks because we, we don't know the whole story, but we're going to take what we do have, okay? First of all, we all need mentors in our life. We all need mentors in our life. Who were John Mark's mentors? First of all, Peter, right? And then Barnabas. They both poured into his life. They believed in what he was doing and encouraged him in God's calling. Now, they they saw his potential. And so then they brought that to the surface and they encouraged him. They poured into his life and he became a great helper in the ministry. And We'll go into that a little bit more, what that means to be a helper. But we see that John Mark would make a great contribution to the kingdom of God but I believe it was his mentors that were instrumental in his spiritual development and ministry growth. If there wouldn't have been those voices in there, I think there were several times that John Mark would have just left. Maybe after the ge- if that was him in the Garden of Gethsemane, he left, you know, he you ha- you just w- you would have a reputation. Oh, yeah, that's the guy that ran from the Garden, right? Yeah, we don't even have to use a name. That was him, right? <laughs> or now you have Acts thirteen thirteen. Oh, he's the guy that left the missionary team of Paul, you know, after that first encounter, right? He's the guy. And so he had a history. If he didn't have people that believed in him and says, you know what, John Mark, you are helpful in the ministry. You're valuable to the ministry. Get back up on your horse and let's get going, all right? We all need mentors that believe in us, bring out our best to the surface, hold us accountable, and encourage us. I've had several mentors in my life one that is kind of dear to my heart. He's with God now, but it was when we were in Springfield. And his office was across the hallway. He was technically retired, but he still worked probably a 20 to 30-hour week. And his name was Dr. Love. He he was a Ph.D. guy. He had taught at the University of Maryland. He could have just, he was tenured. He could have just coasted out his existence there and retired early and had an easy life. He had three sons, so we often, he would always, we'd talk about having three sons. Um, But then he heard the call of God. He heard the call of God. And God says, I want you to do something else. And so he left his tenured position at University of Maryland, worked with Global University. It was called ICI back in that day. He taught in Belgium. (laughs) And then uh, I would come into him in Springfield. So he was already in his 70s. He, he could have been retired, but he still came in, no pay or anything like that. He had an office, but he came in, and, and uh, he was kind of like my secondary boss. My main boss was the academic dean. But he, Dr. Love would, you know, when he would get off, at the end of the day, he would always come across the hall, and he would say, Hey, hey, Brent, how are you doing, right? And we would talk. He had just some great leadership skills, and um, they gave me a lot of new things to try. Hey, Brent, we need this done. We needed this test bank database developed. And so he was there kind of guiding me. He says, yeah, you know, so I'd do the research. And he was just there. I did the work, but he kind of was there supportive. And he, he had me doing things that maybe I was uncomfortable doing, never had done before. But he pulled out the best of me. He believed in me. And he knew I wouldn't be in that position for long and that other things would come my way. Um, but he was a great mentor. We all need mentors in our life. The people that believe in us, that see our potential and bring it to the top. Amen? If you don't have a mentor, pray to God and you have it's not an easy process, I'm not gonna lie to you. Because you're trusting your life to them, right? They can either they can either bring out the best in you or they can crush you. So there is some godly wisdom there. Secondly, we all must learn from our failures. We don't know why John Mark left Paul and Barnabas on the missionary journey, but it was a black mark on his resume. So we discussed some of the reasons. Maybe he was homesick, first time being away on the road, you know. And, it, you know, for I don't like, I mean, I like traveling, but, you know, if you get the right motel room that has a comfortable bed and everything, then things are good, right? But if you don't, you know, you have a loud train or something like that. We were staying at the camp this weekend, and by by the the last night, I was getting a little more used to it. But, it, you know, it's just not home, right? It's just not home. Now, I think about when you're traveling on the road back in those days. I don't think they had motels or hotels, right? I don't know if they were sleeping on the ground. I don't know what they had for accommodations, right? Um. Yeah, it maybe was kind of interesting. It would be like some of my missionary trips. Um. <laughs> I've had some interesting ones, you know. Belize, I think I remember. Uh, yeah, Belize, Guyana. Guyana, yep. Belize at least had mosquito nets and the fan blowing on me. The beds, the mattresses were kind of white. In <laughs> Guyana, they were pretty colorful, if you know what I mean. The mattresses were, they had a lot of polka dots, yellow polka dots and all that. <laughs> you go You know what I'm talking about? They smelled right there was mosquitoes there too you had to sleep with a net um, man cockroaches i mean we there's cockroaches here right like that they have cockroaches there man they're pets they can be pets right <laughs> yeah they're yeah um great people but it's, you know it's different it's different um we we don't know why i i think i think the encounter in cyprus was part of it. It could have been that that the Gentiles, this proconsul receiving the gospel and not having to go through circumcision, some of that. Maybe that was just pushing the boundaries a little bit for John Mark. He didn't know how to filter through that, especially without Peter being there to help him through that to understand that. Um, we, do, we don't know. Galatians 2.13 says that even Barnabas struggled with the the Gentiles embracing Christ. So some of the leadership from Jerusalem come up to uh, where Paul is at, I believe in Antioch, and and Paul had to confront Peter and some of them because, you know, they they said they were embracing the Gentiles, but when it came down to s- came time to have a meal, the Jewish legislation sat over here, and the Gentiles sat over here, right? So they weren't fellowshipping, they weren't embracing these believers. There was that separation, right? And so Paul confronted them, and even Barnabas was part of that. Um, So it could have been seen as a failure in the life of John Mark that he deserted them on this missionary journey. And that is the words that are used in our English Bible, right? He deserted us. He left us. It wasn't planned. It wasn't... He deserted us. He left us. We needed him on this trip, and he left us. Um, But you know what? We all fail, right? Yeah. Not just once. We've all failed. Not only just we've all fallen short of the glory of God and sinned. Yeah, but we've all failed. We've made mistakes, right? Failure is part of I- is life, and we we have to grow through our failures. We have to learn from our failures and become better. Now, most of you came this morning. Even Clarence came this morning in because Devin picked him up came in a vehicle, right? Yeah, and who was one of the first people that created the automobile, right? They kind of really pioneered that technology. Who was it? Henry Ford. Did you know that he was a failure? Yeah, he was. Several attempts t- to get that off the ground failed. Mainly it was getting fu- investors and people he he wasn't Able to get the the backing, and he had everything in place, and it didn't all come together, and so twice it it, it got kind of scrapped, and finally he found somebody that believed in him, and they got the technology, and and now we have automobiles today. Now they've come a long ways. Yeah, there you got it. That's the Model A, I think, one of the first vehicles. Now, you know, how would you like go doing that in ten below weather? Right? <laughs> I don't even know if you could get it started. Right? Um. But you know what? Henry Ford could have seen his life as a failure. He could have allowed it to define him. But instead, he learned from his failures. This is what he said. Henry Ford says, failure failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. Right? Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, and this time more intelligently. Are you going to fail? Absolutely. You know, Edison and the light bulb, right? How many times did he fail? If you Google it, it was a lot of times. But all of a sudden, he found the the time that it worked. And now today we have light bulbs. Now that it's not even the filament, it's LEDs, right? Um, but it's because somebody didn't give up. They learned from their failures. We m- also must do that. Are you going to fail? Absolutely. Sometimes you're going to fail pretty good. Get back up. Shake off the dust and get going. Number three, we must use our gifts to serve God. Mark is referred to as a helper. He's not called preacher. He's not called evangelist. He's not called missionary. He's called helper. Uh, Yeah, helper. Minister, yeah. What did that involve? Was he the gopher? You know, so when I started off in construction, I was kind of called the gopher, right? I didn't stick my head up out of the hole, you know, and have these two white front teeth. But the gopher meant you were going for this, you were going for that, right? I was the laborer. That was the more technical term. But I started off at age 12 working. But I was the gopher, right? I helped everybody else do what they were supposed to be doing. This is what we see in Acts 13.5. So we covered this last week. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God to the Jewish synagogues. And John was with them as their helper. Helper. Now, Most people think it was more than he was just the gopher, that he helped in preaching, and then maybe even had some of the teaching duties that he was there doing the discipleship classes. So Paul's out there preaching and getting people saved, and Mark, John Mark was the one that was doing the discipleship classes and helping out. Paul couldn't do it all, right? He needed other people to help carry the load, and so maybe that's what John Mark's responsibilities were. We know that when Peter was in Rome, that. Tradition says that he was Peter's interpreter, so he must have knew Greek and also the Hebrew and maybe Aramaic and stuff as well, just as Paul did. Paul had that dual citizenship and the ability to go between the Jewish world and the Roman world, and it seems that John Mark had that ability as well. And so he was the interpreter, so I have some people here that can be interpreters that know how to do that. John Mark was good to have on the team. Even Paul then in the latter days said he found value. Bring John Mark to me because only Luke is with me and John Mark is valuable to me in the ministry. Bring him to me. The axe had been buried, whatever the situation that that had arose there initially was taken care of. And John Mark was now known as somebody that was helpful the ministry. Church tradition, we don't know, you know all the facts there, but church tr- tradition says that he stayed with Barnabas after Peter passed away. He would stay with Barnabas in Cyprus, on the island of Cyprus, until Barnabas would die. And then church tradition says then he would sail to Alexandria. So Cyprus is in the Mediterranean Sea, right? He would sail south to Alexandria, the Egyptian coastline, and that he would start a church there. That's church tradition. Now he was the one that was there going out, leading the charge, and developing the kingdom of God. What we do know is that he gave his talents, he gave his time, he gave his life, did he not? We can look at Acts 13.13 and say, man, he's a deserter. He left when they needed him but because people believed in him and because John Mark did not give up to his credit, he became a very valuable asset to the kingdom of God over his lifetime. Amen? And maybe that's your story. I do have a fourth point. This is the bonus point. We must seek reconciliation with fellow believers. It is not okay to be at odds with fellow believers in Christ. It just isn't. Um, there was a po- contention between Paul and John Mark. It got resolved. We don't know. Paul does talk about, in his letters, he talks a lot about forgiveness, about loving one another. That's one of his common things because he realized that people have different personalities, right? He was a very strong personality. He He didn't pastor churches. He got churches started, but he did not pastor churches. He had Timothy and Titus pastor churches. They had a different temperament, right? Paul got him started. He turned over the pastoral work to them, right? I think Paul was well aware that his personality could sometimes be too much for people. And yet, it was exact, that exact personality that God needed to go into parts to pioneer and to raise up a church. I mean, you look at what Paul did, it's incredible. Just the different churches he started that we see recorded by Luke in the book of Acts is incredible. Um, but we all need to have that reconciliation needs to be there, right? We won't always see eye to eye with people. Personalities will clash. Sometimes we hurt people, sometimes on purpose, sometimes on accident. I think we would be lying if we didn't say that we hurt people sometimes on purpose. Man, they hurt me. I am just going to, right, hurt them back. Not always with a fist, but with our words, Right? Or passive-aggressive things. None of us would ever be passive-aggressive, I know. All right. But we all must seek reconciliation. That means to deal with the hurt, to deal with the conflict, to deal with the disagreement, and provide healing. Forgive, to love, and to move on. This is what Jesus had to say, Matthew chapter 5. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that somebody has... Something against you, okay? They're mad at you. Often, you know, as a pastor, sometimes I, I really try not—I don't hurt people, but I can guarantee you, I hurt people. You know, I say things that are—that are sometimes I wish I could take it back. It's kind of like that just did not come out right. Okay, I've done that. Um, you know, I, I really try not to hurt people, but I—I—I—in I, the years that I've been here, I've hurt a few people. Alright. Whatever the case, whether you're the one that offended or you're the one being offended, if God is you need to go to that person and try to resolve it. You you do what you can. They may not forgive you, but at least you forgive them and you move on. Because why is that so important? Because forgiveness hurts you. It doesn't hurt them, it hurts you. Alright? It's poison. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. It will kill you. Literally, it will. You have to forgive. It doesn't mean you always have to trust people again. It doesn't mean you have to open up their whole, your whole life to them again. But you have to forgive to free yourself. You have to. Colossians says this, chapter 3, 12 through 15. Since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and give forgive everyone anyone who offends you okay remember the lord forgave you you must also forgive others above all clothe yourself with love which binds all of us together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you're called to live in peace and always be thankful amen you know what i i don't always see eye to eye with a lot of some of the ministers in our in our network I love them all. I respect them all. All right, but some of them, man, you know, there's just good. Just you're just kind of on the same level, and but but some of them is kind of like, uh, you know. But I'm I'm not gonna try to offend them, and if they offend me, I'm gonna try and resolve it. God's called us to live with peace in peace and love one another. Amen. All right, and that goes to all of our earthly relationships and our spiritual relationships. We have to work towards reconciliation. All we can do is forgive other people, and if we've wronged them, we say, hey, will you forgive me? If they don't, that's, that's their thing. But we're freeing ourselves. Set yourself free, all right, and work towards reconciliation. And I have had my dad share here before. Uh, it's been a few years now, but I, I think w- when he did share, it was a pretty powerful service, as he just shared, um, my, my, both my mom and dad grew up in alcoholic homes. They didn't have all always the, you know, there was some things that were rough there, right? And uh, just growing up, I, my parents, I knew they loved me. But, you know, I, I saw him react to me as his son sometimes the way his dad had reacted to him. You know, there's just sometimes this outburst of anger, you know. And you, as a kid, you don't forget those things. You can forgive, but you don't forget them, Right? And um, and I, I never really noticed it until I think it was actually until I took some classes at seminary and we came here. And I just realized there was, there was a relational wall that was there. And I, I talked to my dad about it. And I realized my sisters kind of had some of that same things there. And to my dad's credit, he was just really cut to the heart about it. And uh, is he perfect? Yeah, well, no. But he's really made some really good progress in that and just – just really has a humble heart towards that. And it's really helped him mend and heal some things. Um, maybe that speaks to somebody today. All right, conclusion. I'm there. Musicians, if you could come. While being a deserter was part of John Mark's past, his resume, he will be remembered as a valuable helper in the ministry and the author of the Gospel of Mark. This morning, what's your past? What are some good things that have happened in your life? What are some failures? You know, failures aren't bad, but if you allow them to define you, that's not a good thing. Learn from them. Have a, have a humble heart and say, man, I sure messed that one up. Right? I think sometimes we get too caught up on ourselves. We think we are more than we are. Just keep a humble heart. Acknowledge your failures. You know what? When guest speakers get up there and they just tell us about all the great things they've done, it's kind of like I just begin to almost check out why. Because it's kind of like, well, that's not my story, right? But when they start sharing their challenges and their failures, along with the other good stuff, then it's kind of like, okay, okay, now I can relate to them, they're human, they're real people right what's your past, what's your failures have godly mentors in your life learn from your failures, use your gifts to serve God and above all seek reconciliation with fellow believers amen John Mark, it's a great study maybe you can dive in a little bit deeper today if you want to this afternoon but maybe you see some of your story in that as well And maybe, would you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life this morning? I'm going to have you stand. Um, I just think about John Mark. Could John Mark have done other things? I think he could have. Maybe he could have been a lawyer, interpreter, and not gone on the missionary journeys. I have a feeling that his life was kind of, he didn't know where he wanted to go with his life, but then, He had a Peter that kind of brought him under his wing and saw his potential and and then the call of God in his life. And John Mark responded to that call. I talked about it last week and I'm going to talk about it again this week. Um, I think if we as a church, not just Radiant Springs but other churches, if we're relying upon ministers to come from the outside, our Bible colleges aren't producing them like they used to. They still are. But not like they used to. The churches once again must be raising up people to fill the need. Amen. And that may be you or me. I don't know. Rising up people, so have an open heart. God isn't going to force you into something that isn't you. All I ask is you have an open heart and say, God, here, I, here's my life. What do you, what do you say to me? Maybe it's to be active in the church. I can greet. I can work in the nursery without killing kids. That's an important qualification, right? All right. All right. Um, I can make coffee, and it tastes good. Okay, that is a qualification. You have to be able to make coffee. Have a smile. But those are ways that we can serve. And what I found out is that sometimes serving in a certain area, so I served in youth group. I was a youth group helper. That's where I began to hear the call of God. Just just serving in the local church is important because that's where God says, you know what? This is what you're good at and this is what you are terrible at, right? But you learn through those experiences. Go on a missions trip. Be involved. Find out what's good what's not good, what you like to do, what you don't like to do. We don't want you doing anything you don't want to do or hate doing or not good at, okay? I don't want you doing that. I don't want you greeting there with a smile frown on your face. Now, maybe you're really good at building things. Okay, that's what we're going to miss you. Amen. So to the Lord in prayer, Father, this morning we give you our heart. We don't know where John Mark embraced you as his Lord and Savior. Maybe it was when you died on the cross. Maybe he was that guy in the Garden of Gethsemane that saw you lord jesus betrayed and then saw him crucified on a cross three days later not on the next day but risen three days later maybe as then he believed or maybe at some point he believed at peter's preaching we don't know but at some place he believed and Lord god if we haven't come to that place in our own life that we've accepted you as our lord and our savior today is the day Today can be that day of salvation. We place our faith and trust in you. You've promised to come into our heart, to forgive us of all of our sin and to be our Savior and our Lord. So Lord God, maybe there's someone here today that's going to take that step, whether watching online or here. Lord, we just uh, pray with them today. But Lord, I pray for those that are here today and those that are watching online. Lord, God, we are the church. We are the church. We are those that have been called by your name, that have been called from darkness into light. That's what it means. We're the called out ones. That's what church means, the ecclesia. Called out from the world to be your people, to be set apart for you and your purposes, to glorify you and to be the people of God. And Lord God, I I pray that you would release us to do what you've called us to do. Maybe we don't know what, God, how you want us to be involved. All I know is that I believe there's great treasures here, even within our congregation, of gifts that you're wanting to unlock in the lives of people, to serve within the church. Maybe even some of those are full-time ministry. Uh, God, it can't be a call of man. It can't be something to say, hey, I want to go do this. God, it has to be your speaking to us, just as you did to Paul and Barnabas, set them apart for the work that I've called them to do. And so, Lord God, give us an open heart today to uh, just to hear your voice. We ask this in your name.
1: thank you so much for this day, Lord, and this time that we can gather together. Lord, we thank you that there is, in fact, no one like you, no one beside you that can go with us in our lives and lead us in the way that you do. And Father, we ask that you would continue to lead us as we go throughout today, throughout this week. Lord, would you walk beside us? Would you clear the path in front of us? Show us where to place our feet and where to place our trust. Lord, to continue to remind us and reinforce that you are the one that we can trust, that we can love, and that will love us, no matter what, and in spite of everything. As we make mistakes and as we stumble along the way, your love will never change for us, and we thank you for that. So Father, we ask that you would go with us today go with us throughout this week. Keep us safe and keep us in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to stick around in fellowship and have a great rest of your week.